0: Right, well, it's great to uh, be here with everybody. I do miss Jonathan as well, um, his introductions, but uh, it is awesome to be together. Uh, you might be uh, noticing we have a, a bunch of good-looking young people up here on the front right of church here. It's good to have everybody here from the rest of the IE. They were here for Samaya's birthday last night, so if they look a little tired, they were probably up just hanging out uh, all Night or whatever they were doing. So great to have you guys here. It's a lot of fun. You add a lot of uh, energy to the service here. So today, actually, Roy and I are going to share the sermon here. So we uh, we're going to both take turns here, and so you can keep me to 15 minutes. So when I get to 15 minutes, you can just like go like this, and then I won't end up taking Roy's time there. But um, it is uh, awesome to uh, be able to share that. And we're kind of closing up our series on. Uh, are called Holy, but I wanted to share with you just some good news here that uh, these guys uh, are going for a swim at the local pool in Yemen, and uh, the brother in the middle there is uh, the guy who leads the church there, and uh, these two guys, not only were they going for a swim, but they were getting baptized, and so you can pray for them uh, over there. I know they're, uh, they're doing well, so I don't know how they... Actually did it if they maybe asked them the questions and then like, hey, let's do a few laps. And then when you get back from your second lap, then I'm going to dunk you, you know, because a lot of times they have to fly out of the country to get baptized. So they're getting maybe more creative. Uh, so pray for our brothers uh, and sisters over there in Yemen. And I just want to share the great news and uh, help us to see, man, it's not too hard living in America. As a Christian, when all that they're going through over there, I know some of you have been over there. Uh, just even encourage you, you know, now that the pandemic is lifting, even to be able to go and visit. I think I said that last year for your special missions. For one year, if you want to do that instead of your special missions, just go over there and actually see them. Okay? That will be great. You have my permission to do that because you will be inspired uh, for a lifetime. So, anyways, let's go to our sermon here. Holy... And today it's called God-Centered Living. And isn't that what Christianity is all about, to have God and Jesus at the center of our lives? That is the most simple concept, and yet it's probably the hardest thing to do, right? We we can have our quiet times in the morning, and we leave the house, and like an hour later, we're like, what did I read, and where is Jesus now that this person is yelling at me at work, and I'm trying to get through my day-to-day challenge, and... We've been trying to slow down and and, and spend time with God and have a balance and really focus on God, be aware of him in our day-to-day life. And hopefully you've done that. As we're closing this series today, you can think about, man, my life has changed this fall because because of God. That I've decided to spend more time with him. I've decided to slow down and meditate on scripture. Some of us are even taking a... A Sabbath rest to really focus on God and just have more balance in our lives. And it's really, uh, I know, talking about getting in touch with our emotions and just figuring out what, where they are and where, why they're there and where they're coming from and how to really give them to God and be able to grow and overcome. How many people have gotten in touch with your heart in this fall? I know that I have in an amazing way. And I feel like God is moving, and the scripture that we're going to focus on today is not a new scripture. It's like having a God-centered life. It's a really easy scripture to remember, but it's a really hard one to actually carry in our day-to-day lives, isn't it? Let's start with a prayer, and then I'll start reading. Uh, Father, we thank you so much for this time to be together. We thank you for our brothers in Yemen that made Jesus Lord of their lives. God, I pray that as we're here today, that we can connect with them, that we can be praying for them, and we can also have that same fire in our heart to put you in the middle of our lives, God, to live for you day by day, by hour by hour. God, I pray that you use Roy and I today to inspire us to love you more and more. We love you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So this scripture, Jesus replied to the question, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and some translations say with all your strength. This is the first and greatest commandment. Imagine getting to the end of your life and having God say, welcome you into the kingdom and say, man, I love you, Jesus, with all my heart with all my mind, with all my strength, and with everything I have. Guess what? That's really impossible to do. Even, even saying the words, I'm going, do I really love God with all my heart, with all my mind, with all my strength? No way. I'm, I'm faithful, but I'm not perfect. Jesus doesn't want you to be perfect, but he wants to have your whole heart Today And that's what I'm going to be talking about and Roy's going to be talking about the second part. But my only point is growing in our love for God together. Growing our love for God. And I love this picture of these flowers growing up on these trellises and, you know, the idea that these trellises help the flowers get off the ground. That God wants us to put some of these things in our lives so that our relationship with him can not just be on the ground but can grow and can be seen. And so we have things like quiet times where we spend time reading the Bible, where we spend time praying. You know, this even this uh, fall to spend time meditating on Scripture. You know, I know the Hammonds are kind of famous for praying around the fire pit, right? How many people have prayed around that fire pit? Okay. It's one of those things that you don't know what's going to happen until you get there. But if you never get there, nothing's going to happen. But just being there and being able to pray and being able to connect, that's why we try to put these things into our lives. As I shared about last week, we started practicing Sabbath in our lives. where we, We've been doing it from Wednesday night until Thursday evening with no phones and just trusting God that, God, every time I do this, it stresses me out But I put this in your hands, that you're going to take care of the world for the next 24 hours without me. That I am not needed to make this world go around for 24 hours. Isn't that what we've learned in the pandemic? That all the control and everything that we thought we had, God's like, you know what? You don't control anything. You can't even control products, your Christmas presents getting here from overseas much less any people in your life, much less trying to keep track of where everybody is. We don't need, God's like, I got this. You just be faithful to me. I got this. I've been enjoying time out in nature and a nap. It's not a Sabbath without a nap. I got a couple amens there. I know some of you are like, wait a second here. I was just thinking about, man, my parents, they're retired. They take a nap every single day. So I'm like, man, on my Sabbath, I'm taking a nap <laughs> because it's about resting and connecting with God and meditating on God and delighting. And without what would a delight be without a nap with Jesus? Amen. And so we're going to talk about a few things. This was some of the principles that we've been studying out. And the goal for you in my section is to make a decision that in one of these six areas, that you're going you're gonna to stick to something that's going to make your life different for God. That you're going to decide to be closer to God, and you're gonna, maybe, maybe you're going to start meditating on scriptures every day. Pick a different scripture every day. Or maybe you're going to spend just time in silence just praying that God will speak to you. And you'll slow down your mind to really listen to God. Maybe you'll take an, an extra time with God, what they call the daily office, in the middle of the day. And just say, man, I want to connect with God, not just in the morning. I want to stay connected. Or decide to study something out. Or practice the Sabbath. That, as I've been sharing about, that's something that we've been really trying to do is practice silence and practice a Sabbath every single week. And it is not easy, but it's, I feel like we're growing I feel like God is opening things up. I feel like even as we were coming back down, we we're up in Yucca because it's cooler up there. We went on a hike, and I was just like, "Wow, we just spent like five or six hours with God." You know, I don't usually do this. You know, I'm supposed to be a minister, but just taking extended time. You're so busy ministering that you don't attend to God and think about God, and that is an amazing. Thing. I want to encourage all of you to make one decision based on these next ten minutes. Okay? Here we go. Second Peter 1. No pressure. Second Peter 1. He says, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by our own glory and goodness. That God has given you everything you need to live for him. To live a godly life. That you don't need anything. That he's put you exactly where he wants you to be. And he's given you, he's called you not through your glory and your goodness, but through his glory and his goodness. He actually called us in spite of our goodness. And just thinking about that scripture, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. His name is known throughout the ends of the earth in Isaiah chapter 6. It doesn't matter who acknowledges God; that He is already making His name known. His name is known. We don't have to, you know, we don't have to give Him an Amen. He gives Himself an Amen. He is beyond us. He is a good Father. We sing that song, "Good Father." He's a good Father, and He's given you everything you need for your life. That's so encouraging to think about. He said He has given us very great and precious promises. Thousands of promises. He promises that you're going to be in heaven someday. He promises that you can find joy when you remain in him. That if you remain in him, you will find joy. If you remain in him, you will bear fruit. That people will look at your life and see Jesus. And listen to this. He says that, through them, we participate in the divine nature. And you got to just think about that for a few minutes. What does that even mean? That we participate in the divine nature, that we get to feel and live and act as God does. That he, did, he just doesn't want us to know what his love is, but he wants us to experience it. He doesn't want us just to know what it, or have some ideas of how to love people. He wants us to feel it. He wants us to live it out. Compassion, not just an idea, but he wants us that to be our lives. He wants people to come in and see Christ in here, through all of us. That is the plan of God that people will be around Christians and they won't be able to explain it, but they'll be able to see Christ. That's the divine nature. That's not who we are without Christ. That's who we are with and only with Christ. And he says that we, to having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. You know, a few weeks ago, we had a lesson from this brother Kenny Izachuku, and uh, he's a young minister in uh, L.A. I think he was Cameron's campus minister over there in the West, and he just shared his his life and story, and for whatever reason, it just like really clicked, and I just thought, man, this guy is living how God wants him to live, and he starts sharing. He says, "Yeah, I'm a min- I go to Pepperdine as a minister and." you know, instead of going out and just inviting everybody that I can talk to and just talking to hundreds of people, he said, I do a little bit of that, but I decided I wanted to be the chaplain for the volleyball team, because he played volleyball in his life and college, and he's like, man, this is really on my heart, so he's like, okay, I'm going to campus, I'm a campus minister, and I'm spending all my time almost with this volleyball team, and so there were some discussions about, hey, that's not really how you're supposed to do campus ministry. You know, you're supposed to really reach everybody. And so for like one year, two years, like nothing happened. And he's just pouring himself out, and there's like nothing coming back. And finally, on year three, people start opening up. He's finally built this trust, and people, you know, problems come, and people are like, where do I go? Let's go to Kenny. He's the guy who's been pouring himself out, and they start sharing their lives with him, and people start learning about the Bible, getting baptized, and this huge explosion starts happening on their campus. Rick and and Heather are here. I know they they could probably tell the story better than me. But I just started thinking, like, wow, for two years, nothing, and then all of a sudden, God starts to work. And he starts sharing. He says, you know, beyond that, my mom's in the Air Force, and I decided, man, I want to be a chaplain in the Reserves. And so once a month, he's out there, and he's chaplaining these guys and loving them and just seeing, wow, he's so fired up for God. And also, he is a chaplain at Cedar sinai Hospital. And you got to know Kenny, I mean, he's like the Energizer Bunny overachiever of the world, right? He's like not only one chaplain, but he wants to be like three chaplains, and he's got like four degrees, and, you know, the guy's, like, brilliant. And But after he was done, I I thought to myself, I could never do that, right? I'm like, that's that's a lot. But I was so inspired because he was living his best life for God. He was exactly where God wanted him to be. And that's my vision for all of us, not that you'll be all the same, but that God will put you exactly where you need to be. That he'll guide your life. And you might not see it for years. But because you're there, he's going to use you. In having that kind of faith that God has got me exactly where he wants me to be, that he is going to work, short time or long. And that's my prayer for, for myself. That's my prayer for this church. Because isn't it inspiring when you feel like God has put me right here? This is exactly where I'm supposed to be. And you see it happening. And a lot of times we don't see it for a long time. But that's my vision for all of us. And I want you to pray about that. God, where do I fit into your story? Because we have like a collective vision as as a church, but there's an individual vision for each of you that only you can do. And I pray that you find that because God is waiting and wants to use you in an amazing way. He wants you to be productive and, and inspired and filled with faith and fruitful. Let's continue on here. See how I'm doing. I'm about done. That's great. Good stuff. Okay. I'll just read this scripture, and i got a couple more things I wanted to say. It says, For this reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. And there's a lot that I could say about this. But I'm not going to say it right today. I'll save it for another time. But the one thing I really want to say, I want you to pray for a couple people These uh, brothers from the Philippines, I don't know how to say their name exactly, it's spelled Y-E-N-I-J-E, so Yenije and Euro. And last week we were talking about being in awe of God and in awe of people that were around. And I want to share about my neighbor, she invited, that I talked about last week, she had us over for dinner. And this week she sent us a picture, it was like Thursday night at like 11 o'clock at night, she sends us this picture of these two boys. And they're um, autistic kids in in the Philippines. And she's connected over there with a nonprofit organization that she runs. And she sent us the most disturbing picture. It was these two boys. They were just in underwear, and they were chained together, and they were abandoned by their family. And she sends it over, and she asks us to pray for, for them, and she says, you know what? I took guardianship of these two boys today. Everybody was calling around. Somebody called her, and she said, you know what? They're mine. I'm going to take care of them. I'm going to pay for them. I'm going to get them in a home where they need to be. I'm going to get them the services. And it just blew my mind. And the whole time she's seeing, like, God is working in her life through her friendship with Danielle and just through coming to the midweeks here and just, go, oh man, God is working in her life. And I was so inspired. I was just in awe. I'm just like, what are you? Who does that? That's like Christ. Just, I don't know you, but you're mine now. I'm going to take responsibility for you. And I was just blown away. And you just see how God is working. She's inspiring all of us. She doesn't even know it. I told her we'd pray for them. If you can't remember their names, just call them the Y brothers. Right? You can remember that. The Y brothers. God knows exactly their names. So, But just pray that they, they get to a healthy place and they get to a place to get taken care of. And the final thing I want to say here is on the last part, it talks about growing in all these things and finally growing in our love. And I know I talked about that a little bit last week. And I use the analogy, if, I, if you weren't here, of you know, my kids that are on the East Coast and just like if I call them and just, you know, how they, they kind of screen your calls, right, Drake? You know, you do that with the parents. You know, you look at them. and go, oh, I'm kind of busy right now. I'm kind of, you know, I'm having fun or I'm stressed. And you know, so they do that for a while, but eventually you kind of connect. You know, Madison's laughing there, you know. So you just go, okay, finally we're going to connect. But imagine if he didn't call back, if we didn't connect for like a week. And then I keep calling, and then he doesn't connect for like a month. And then two months and nothing, and you just go, man, this isn't, this is a real problem. It's not a, I'm a busy problem, it's, it's there's, a, there's a relationship problem. There's, there's a love problem because now I'm hurt. You know, I'm wondering, you know, I'm thinking all these bad things. I'm th- feeling like, what did I do? Did I do something? Is this retaliatory? You know, all these things. Surely Connor would never do that or Chloe. But, you know, Connor did. He hates when I do this. But he did say, hey, uh, I guess I need to call you more. He was listening to the sermon. He's like, I got to call you back more. I, said, I wasn't talking about you. But, yeah, if you want to call us more, that's a good thing. He was convicted. And so as we went into last week, we went to talk with the family group leaders after I told this whole story. And it just reaffirmed that we have some relationship problems in the church. That there's some connections that just aren't happening That there's love going out, and there's no love coming back. And there's calls going out, and there's no calls coming back. And there's just not communication. And again, it's not attendance. And somebody talked to me that's online, and they're like, were you talking about us? And I was like, no, you're, you're committed, and you're connected. And you can be connected online, but you can also be disconnected online. And you could also be doing whatever. And you can be disconnected even in person. Because it's not just about attendance. We're not just checking a box. That, that, that's not loving God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. There's a, there's a connection. There's a relationship. And so I just wanted to kind of make that a little more clear. And, and as I was talking to some of the leaders here, small group leaders, that there was some hurt feelings. And I, I know that's hard to imagine sometimes. You go, man, these guys are so strong. They've been Christians for like 30 years. Like, they never get their feelings hurt. Like Rick and Heather, I'll use them because they don't go to church here anymore. They're, They're members in L.A. They never get their feelings hurt. I mean, they're so amazing. They just give and give and give and give. No, when they prepare an awesome time at their house and, like, five people don't show up and they don't call, like, that's sad. Like, you would never know it because they keep giving, but in their hearts they go, oh, man, that hurts. There's a relationship thing that I wish was more connected. And so I want to share that because I think sometimes we don't think about that. And even for myself, and I I don't want pity or whatever, but it's hard when I see people going on trips and yet they don't come to church. That's not an attendance thing. That's just a relationship thing. Like, hey, you, you feel good enough about the world to go to Mexico, but you don't feel good enough to come to church. Like, that's not a COVID thing. That, that, is that a relationship thing? Do we have to talk? Are there hurt feelings? Like, let's talk about it. Let's, let's be honest with how we feel about one another. So I just wanted to kind of make it clear. It hurts my heart and my feelings when you go to the movies and you don't come to church. Because that tells me that's not a COVID thing. When you go out to restaurants and you don't come to your small group, that hurts your small group leader's feelings. Why? Because it doesn't say you care about COVID. It just says that you don't care about that small group that much. I'm just being real, guys, okay? This is kind of like sporting events. When you go to... The Lakers, and you don't come to It's the same thing, right? When you send your kids to school and you don't come to church because they're exposed all day long to thousands and thousands of people and they bring it all to your house. It's not a COVID issue, guys. Let's talk about it. It's a comfortability issue. And it's a love issue. And I'm not down on anybody Some people are really connected, and they're at home, and they're nervous, and I I love you, and I'm not trying to pick on you. But I'm just saying there's a lot of people that aren't. And that's kind of where we need to go as a church because that is what love is, and that's what we want people to see is God's love with us. So thank you. Sorry, Roy. Roy. But let's give it up for Roy and be excited when he's talking, too.
1: You know, I texted Danielle. I was like, man, Scooty's on a roll. Sometimes I was just ready to just sit, sit back. And it's kind of crazy how if you look outside, it's kind of getting dark. <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe it's like some imagery. But I don't know. Well, I, I just want to say, man, Scott, that was uh, that was amazing. Uh, To talk about this aspect about uh, God's love and, and how when we are moved by God, incredible things happen, right? And that when we center our spiritual lives with God, things just become clear. And, you know, that scripture in Matthew 11, I'm going to be talking quickly about the second part of that scripture where it talks about how the second command is like this, right? When we love God with all of our heart, soul, mind and strength, that's vital, Um, But it says the second one is like this. You love your neighbor as yourself. And I love the the clarity and even Jesus's confidence that he says all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. That you just need to listen and obey and just keep two vital things. Right. And even Scott talked about this idea of this divine nature, God giving us everything that we need. And that we're all people woven into God's greater story. And so those are my key takeaways. But I'm going to be talking about uh, this uh, topic, about that second part of that scripture, right? Growing in our love for God's people. Now, I don't really have a specific reason why I chose that picture. I just have like FOMO when I look at this. They look like they're having a great time looking at that view. Uh, But that's kind of what we need to be, right? We need to be connected. There's this aspect about spirituality that uh, calls us that when we connect with God... Uh, that also that same love needs to be shown in our, even our love for people. And there's all these amazing things in that chapter. Uh, you know, Scott talked about these, uh, these six things, right? And there's six more things. Uh, and, but I think deep spiritual knowledge uh, and things like divine nature, right? We, we enjoy hearing these new information. We enjoy hearing what God is teaching us in the Bible. But I think the major problem is, Is when we try to apply it to our daily lives, right? It's 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 easy to read something in the Bible, feel so inspired by it, but then when we apply it to our lives, it feels like nothing is really clicking. And I don't know if it's if it's me just as a Christian, but I I have a hard time with that. But you see that problem everywhere, right? You see that in the world, spiritually, people know about God, Uh, they like the impact of Jesus. People even believe in Jesus, but they don't go to church, right? But You know, they even tolerate even biblical teaching, but they need help in connecting to the Bible. There's this lack of connection. In the church, people are devoted to God. They're devoted to Jesus. But even Jesus urges the disciples in John 15 to stay connected to the vine. And if Jesus didn't know that that was going to be a struggle, he probably wouldn't have said that. right? But we have this passage because it shows that even Jesus... Uh, knows and acknowledges that even as disciples, we have a hard time connecting to the vine. And so there's two different camps, but, but we're both united by one task, and that's to be connected, right? Connected to each other. And so uh, my bottom line, the main objective really just for uh, our time here is that as we mature emotionally and even as Scott shared how it looks like to be transformed spiritually, we must start putting forward thoughts on how this growth uh, then builds the connection with us in the church. How, this, how we need to grow in the way that we connect with each other and the people around us. And so this chapter, in my opinion, uh, kind of touched uh, on this idea of the empty cup theory. And we all know this idea, this imagery of this cup, that if our cup is empty, we have nothing to share with the people that we come across. Right. But when our cup is full, we have this excess that, that we just can't help to give to those around us. And I think this is both the shared practice in the world and in the church. And again, we, we share these same similarities. And you think about right in the world uh, who, who everyone has flown an airplane, right? Or not flown an airplane, but flown in an airplane. Right. Uh, I wish I could fly an airplane. That's one of my biggest goals. Right. But when we think about even this idea of the oxygen masks, what, what, what do they tell you? Put your own on. Right. And that when you put your own on and then you you put the person to your left or right, if you're sitting in the middle seat, that's what can only be possible. It, you're you're putting it on for them, but you got to make sure that your mask goes on first. Right. And so there's this aspect about taking care of yourself before you take care of others. Right. But even in the church, it, it's, it's also a shared practice. And who can recite first Timothy 416? We, we know that passage, right? Who, who can who can just say that scripture real quick? What does First Timothy four sixteen say? Watch your for and for faith, or for Let's go, Sid. Everyone, get a round of applause for Sid. Absolutely. It says, "Watch your life and your doctrine closely, because not only will you save both yourself, but your hearers." And so, even in this passage, it shows that we need to watch our life and our doctrine. We need to take a hard look at ourselves first before we can impact those around us. And so these were the other six uh, rules of life. Uh, And the first six that Scott was talking about was more so your own spiritual connection. But then it takes kind of a shift to practically your life and the things that you do for your own life that helps really build your connection uh, with God and to create a God-centered life. And so Uh, These things, right? It says play and recreation, right? When we think about play, kind of, I don't know, for me, I I love the word play. I love having fun. Uh, But this book talks about finding activities that breathe life in you, right? We love having activities that just give us joy, service and mission, right? That using talents and time to serve others, care for physical body. We talked about Sabbath again, you know, this eight hours of sleep and Uh, And this idea of relaxing and taking care of yourself emotional health. We're reading this book to to talk about that family, right? A focus on growth and relationships, marriages, um, your relationships with your kids, uh, your relationships uh, with your friends, community, finding companions on our journey, either if it's through life or spiritually. Right. And so. You know, I don't know about me or I don't know about you, uh, but I really like hearing things that I'm good at. I I feel like that's like my favorite compliment is when people say, hey, you're good at what you do. Raise your hand if you like that compliment, if you like hearing that. Scott was like so quick to just, yeah, there you go, because he loves it, right? Uh, And, you know, so when I look at these six things, I think about, man, these, these are all some great practicals. Uh, and I don't want to really focus on, uh, on all of them, but I just want to at least celebrate with you guys what I believe in my own opinion you guys are excellent at. And if you, if you, if you agree with me, I want you guys to either say amen or put a, put a thumbs up or I don't know, just, just make some noise. Uh, but I feel like we're good at play and recreation. Do you guys believe that? We're good at play and recreation. When life is out of balance, I totally believe that as a church, we are good at knowing when to step back and doing things that we enjoy. I think we have so many hobbies and passions, and we have even people um, sharing these same passions and hobbies. We like to take trips and vacations. Sometimes we go to church service. There's not a lot of people here because you guys are all out on vacation, but I love it. I think go go and take vacations when you need it. Uh, We honor this time you know, something that was amazing when I moved out here uh, and we were interviewing, uh, I found out that we have a fun committee. Yeah. And so uh, I think it's Nikki and Don and a few other people. But you guys have a fun committee and I love that. Uh, And I kind of got a little taste of that when I first came with those, those care packages. And, man, I just love the way that we can just have fun. Right in Proverbs fifteen thirteen in the message Bible it says, A cheerful heart brings a smile to your face. How amazing is that. I totally believe we are a church that is cheerful uh, and that it makes everyone happy. I think we're great uh for care for physical body. Do you guys believe that? <laughs> Not a lot of people say yes, but I totally believe it. You know, I, I think you guys are so active. I, I think uh we love walks, we love uh hikes, we participate in activities that keep us moving. I totally believe that we love uh, uh, this aspect about taking care of ourselves. In 1 Timothy 4.8, it says uh, that, right, it says that uh, physical training is of some value, but godly training is valuable above all things. But oftentimes when I read that passage, I overlook that even in that scripture it says physical training has some value, right, that it still has value, right, but it shouldn't supersede godly and spiritual training, but I think... Uh, We've got to remember that our bodies are temples, right, and that we are bought with a price. Another thing that I think we're great at is family, right? We're great at family. Are, are we good at family? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Amen. Right? The family, the connection. Uh, I think I tell this to everyone who says, man, how's the desert? And they're expecting me to say this really bad answer, or negative answer. But I say, man, I love the desert. Uh, because the one thing that I love about the desert is that there's no age gap. I think there's no separation within live stage groups. That it's normal for for someone to uh, to hang out, like a teen, to hang out with an adult. Hey, I'm not going to go to Devo because I'm hanging out with an adult. I'm like, Amen. You go do that, right? You spiritually, right? You, we we need these mentorships. We need to walk together. I think the way that we pray for each other, uh, when when there's hard times, even on GroupMe and prayer requests, and it, it's crazy just how. You get flooded with, hey, I'm praying for you, brother. Hey, I'm praying for you, sis. I know you're going through a hard time. I'm here for you. That's awesome. Right? And even being in the teens and taking care of some of your kids, I see the way that you guys instill your faith in them. And that they want to be the the, the fun teens that Alicia and I enjoy if it's not for the investment spiritually that you guys have already placed in them. So I, I kudos to you guys. And in Psalm 133, it says, God people, God's people are meant to live in unity. And it is pleasant when we live in unity. Amen. And so we're great at all these things. Right. But uh, I think that there's some things that we need to grow on. And I know for me, when I when I, I love to hear compliments, but I also need to be humbled a little bit. I need to, I need to hear what I'm what I need to grow on. And I think there's two things here that I didn't mention that I think we need to grow on. And this is what we're going to quickly go over. And that's these two things, service and mission and community. I believe that if we learn what it looks like for us to grow in these two things, in these areas, I have faith that we are going to tap into an essential part of being like Jesus as a church, right? Because there's this aspect about loving God and we can love uh, God with all of our heart. And although we're not perfect and we can't really do that at times, this aspect about loving others is also vital for our faith. And so service and mission, you know, I feel like these past two years adjusting to the pandemic. Seeing the division within people or groups of people, I do feel like God has revealed incredible gaps in the way we love people. And Scott even kind of touched base on that, that I think even the pandemic really kind of drew us back a little bit. Uh, And emotional love is important. and, and, And loving people is super important. But the way our love comes through action is a whole different look. And it's a whole different thing. And personally, the way I serve others has often been the last thing on my mind. And maybe it's because for too long and even for the past couple of years, I had to worry about myself. I had to worry about my wife. I had to stay indoors and, and that, that lost connection with people in my circle. You know, and life is already too difficult for me. But how in the world can I hold responsibility for another? Right. And maybe you've, you, you've told yourself that you convinced yourself that. I mean, my life is so difficult. How in the world can I be responsible for another person? And I struggled with this even before the pandemic. And it wasn't because of COVID that I felt this way. And I struggled with it because I think that there's a culture in our church and in our society where we struggle with this individualism. That we take care of our needs first before we serve others. And that we have the heart to serve. And we want to serve. But when we feel like... Uh, we have plenty to give, it, it comes easy. But only when life gets hard, we kind of throw serving and giving to others out the window. And in Mark 6, 35, 37, it's this passage that I love about Jesus and his interaction with disciples. And we read this before, but let's read it again because it's the Bible and we love the Bible. Amen. It says, by this time it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. And so before this, John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin, got beheaded. And Jesus literally just heard about this news. And so you can sense that there's uh, probably some grief that Jesus was feeling. And so these disciples were telling, hey, there's all these people that are hungry. Let's go send them away because we have no time. You're going through a hard time, Jesus. But look at how Jesus answered. He says, you give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take more than a half a year's wages are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat. And so we see that even while Jesus was still grieving, he taught his disciples to still provide for others. And how funny is it that the disciples didn't really learn after Jesus said that, right? They're, they're kind of questioning Jesus to saying, man, that's a half year's wages. Are you, Are you kidding me? Right. And so you kind of see the faithlessness in these disciples. And I don't know about you, but I kind of relate with these disciples. Right. That even the disciples, they question their security, even when Jesus is giving them an objective. And I think Jesus performed the most influential miracles of feeding thousands of people, men, women and children. And this miracle, you don't even have to believe in God. You don't even have to go to church. But everyone has heard about the story of Jesus feeding the five thousand. Right. We all know that. But Jesus, who goes through adversity, maintains his love of serving others. And I think this is a challenge for us as Christians today. That when we talk about the mission, this idea of, uh, of reaching lost souls in this world, our service to others is the motivation. And so we think about our mission as disciples. That's like the car, right? But the fuel that drives us is the way that we serve and love others. Amen. And the second is community. You guys probably can't read this, but you know I think this idea of community, man, I, I want to bring it back to Jesus and what He did, right? And in Jesus' life, I think it's so essential that when we walk in His steps, when we learn about His steps, we can totally understand concepts in the Bible that we probably have never really understood in a way. When we think about community, we know that Jesus walked with people, and I love this story in Zacchaeus, and we're not going to read this passage, but you know the short man was climbing up this tree wanting to see Jesus and he's this tax collector and they were uh, hated at the time. And, and Jesus came to Zacchaeus on the tree and says, I'm going to Zacchaeus, come down. I'm going to stay at your house tonight. And I love that tenacity that Jesus had to be able to, to say, hey, Zacchaeus, I don't know you. I know people don't like you, uh, but I want to spend time with you. Right. And that's Jesus. Jesus walked with people. He spent time with people. Jesus ate with people. And in this passage in Luke 5:29, I actually really like this scripture, so we're going to read it. It says, This Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house, and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered them, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And so Jesus was not only hanging out with people, but he was spending quality time with people and eating with people. And we all like meals. And probably as I'm talking, you guys are pretty hungry right now, so I'm going to get through this lesson. But Jesus ate with people. He broke bread with people. And it's so, so vital that we connect with this part of Jesus' character. And last but not least, Jesus met people with where they're at. And in this passage in John 20 24-29... Uh, to 29, It talks about doubting Thomas, right? And and we all know doubting Thomas. He didn't believe that Jesus actually came back until Jesus came. But I love how even when Thomas was doubting, Jesus wasn't rebuking him. He says, I'm here. Believe me. He says, no, 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 Thomas. Touch my side. See the holes in my hand. I want you to witness it. I love the compassion. And I love the way that he was able to meet Thomas with his doubt and meet halfway. He wasn't... Pulling, trying to convince Thomas, but he was genuinely showing Thomas that he came back. I love that about Jesus. Because, you know, when Jesus walked with people, Jesus ate with people, Jesus met people where they're at. I think sometimes when I'm in the body, I focus too much on how I lead people. That if someone is not where they should be, my tendency is to just lead them to understanding. Right? Or or kind of pull them along. And, you know, I'm a social person and I like the fact that I'm a social person, but sometimes it's not my natural desire to go over to someone's house. It's not my natural tendency to hit a person up and and say, hey, you want to hang out or you want to get time. And there's so many brothers and sisters here in this church that are excellent at that. And I want to learn from you because it's so inspiring when I see people connecting and, you know, when someone is not where they should be spiritually, sometimes even I hold fast to my position, right? That, hey, I know you're not doing well, but I'm doing well. So, so let me tell you about it, right? You kind of kind of pull them along with where, where we're at. We're not willing to negotiate our position because it makes, maybe makes us feel a little insecure. Uh, but there's this aspect about Jesus meeting people where they're at that we need to really see. Do I lead people with opinions or experience Do I talk with people based off of what I know or do I care about that person with compassion? If they're in a hole, am I going to be in that hole with them or am I going to tell them to get out of the hole? Right? There's this aspect about meeting people that um, sometimes I need to connect with. But we see this aspect about community and Scott even said that, that it's not limited to Sundays at 4 p.m., And I love that example about Kenny and how he was able to find community in in the places that he was involved with. Because I see that if we don't value community, I think we're going to miss a lot of impact that God can have in our lives. And if I don't change my perspective about this aspect about community, if I don't value community, then I'm going to look at Sundays and church and midweek as just things in my schedule. And no wonder we check out. No wonder we want to check out because our schedule is already busy as it is. But there's this aspect about community that we really need to see. And when I'm not valuing community, I miss walking this life the way Jesus intended. And as you can see, based on all the scriptures I shared, Jesus was painting a clear picture. But are you seeing the picture that Jesus is putting out? And so chapter 8 talked about these rules of life. And these are meant for you to discover truly how... You can connect with God and with his people. And we need to be a church that is focused on God-centered living. Amen? Amen? And we can clearly see how impactful these are and how Jesus emulated all of them perfectly. And again, Scott and I really shared this lesson because there's 12 amazing things that Jesus was so amazing at. But our goal for you today is to maybe look over that chapter or maybe look over this lesson uh, and see these 12 things, and I want you to pick one thing that, you're, that you want to be better at in terms of your love for God, but in those six things I presented, I, I want you guys to think about maybe one thing that you want to be better in how uh, you live in community. You live in the ways that you're with people, that we are a church that we walk with one another. Amen. So I want to encourage you to think about a way that or, or think about something that you want to grow, whether it's playing more, or having more fun. Uh, maybe if it's spending time with people, maybe it's valuing rest, maybe it's value, valuing uh, your physical and spiritual body. Do it with the people around you, because we are not meant to do this alone. Amen. And so right now we're going to take communion. Uh, and I have the scripture in Ephesians five, verse one to two. It says, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children. Raise your hand if you're a beloved children or a beloved child of God. Amen. Yes. If we're a child of God, we walk in love just as Christ also loved you and gave himself up for us. An offering and a sacrifice to God as a fragrant aroma. And this scripture is amazing because we are a refreshing aroma. We're our fragrant aroma and we're called to be imitators of God. And we're called to imitate Christ's example of great love. And Jesus is our perfecter of our faith. And he loved God wholeheartedly. But also he loved people more than himself. And he ultimately displayed that love through even death on the cross. And so I pray that as you reflect in your communion, as you connect with Jesus, as you're in the foot of the cross and you're you're thinking about Jesus' great love for God because he was God in the flesh, but also the way that he loved you. And put you first, even on the cross. Let's go ahead and bow our heads for a word of prayer for communion. Heavenly Father, God, Lord, thank you so much for just the passion, uh, God, that comes from your word. God, that excitement when it comes to uh, hearing your message, uh, hearing about Jesus' life, hearing about uh, these ways, God, that we can live life here on earth the way you intended us to, to live. God, that, that you call us to love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. God, that even it's hard and we know it, God, that we can't do it alone. God, that we need to focus on you. We need to put our best for you, God, because you, you, you put your best for us, God. I pray, Lord, that even this aspect of, of caring for those around us, Lord, I pray, God, that we can take what we learned through this whole entire series and, God, just see the ways that you're changing our lives Little by little, God, and you're doing an amazing thing. Help us to connect with that. But Lord, ultimately, thank you for Jesus, his death on the cross and how much it means to us. God, that we don't deserve the sacrifice, God, but it changed our life forever. Help us to connect with that as we take communion, God. We love you, pray for everything in Mighty Son's name. Amen.